0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the age of ages. Amen. Good morning. Our meditation this morning is entitled, I have many people in this city. I'm gonna be speaking uh, primarily about three main points. The first one is an exploration of the passage in the book of Acts chapter 18. Secondly, I wanna to refer to a beautiful testimony about the life and ministry of Father Saman, Ibrahim or uh, Simon. Um, Father Simon from El muqattam region in Egypt, and then thirdly, a personal call to ministry. Let's begin by reading uh, two verses from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. If we begin with the book of Acts chapter 18, the beginning of the chapter speaks about a crossroads in the ministry of St. Paul. Thus far, St. Paul had been reaching out to predominantly Jewish audience. He would travel from city to city, he would enter into the synagogue, and he would preach uh, that Christ is the awaited Messiah, that he died for the sins, that if they believe in him, they have everlasting life. However, when he entered into the city of Corinth, he was attacked and he was shut down. And um, it says even in the Bible that he was abused. He was taken advantage of. He was mistreated with so many things. And he saw that their hearts were really heartened. So he said to them, from this point forward, I'm going to be, looking to serve the gentiles and not only the jews and what a transformation in the early church that the message of salvation was now available to the gentiles and not only to the jews so as saint paul slept at night he saw this vision where our lord jesus told him do not be afraid but to speak and do not keep silent use your voice use your platform Use whatever opportunity you have to spread the word of God, to share the message of salvation to people in your context. You shouldn't be afraid, even if they hurt the body, that's something that's very temporal, it's not going to be long term. So we see that St. Paul from this point forward starts to share the message of the good news with the Gentiles. And many of them started to come to Christ. Now his message here is that fear paralyzes us. That's why the Lord would tell him, do not fear. It's the same thing with Joshua. After the death of Moses, he was afraid and he wouldn't speak because he said to himself, who am I? I'm just a little missionary or minister or prophet who is uh, preaching the name of God, who is leading all of these people as compared with the great prophet Moses. What can I do? I'm just a small little um, prophet who is maybe not as talented, not as uh, sweet-spoken as Moses. But the Lord told him the exact same thing. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. He told him, just be courageous. Do not be afraid. I am the Lord who will work in you and with you and will give you that success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then we see... How courageous Joshua had become that he was now a bearer of the message of God and he was not afraid to speak or to spread the word. Likewise also St. Paul was called to this ministry to be courageous, not to be afraid, to speak with boldness and not hold back the truth for there's so many people that need to hear the word of God. He said to him the same words that he said to Joshua. Not to be afraid to speak, not to be silent. For the key in the success of our mission and ministry is that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Even if people attack, even if people um, oppose these opinions, the Lord our God will give us victory. But he said a key word in these verses here, for I have many people in this city. And this is a call for us to action. To realize that we are called, that each and every one of us is a light in the city where we live. Sometimes we get uh, very occupied with ourselves. I just want to save myself. I just want to take care of myself. I can barely save myself. Or some of us could be only occupied with our immediate family. And maybe some parents would say, you know, my family is my only responsibility and I have nothing else. But the call of, of St. Paul expanded for us the horizon and opened the field of mission wider than we ever thought. And we start to have 360 vision so that when we're walking down the street or where we're interacting with colleagues and friends and other people in the, on, on the street, we understand that we have a responsibility towards the city where we live in, the people that we interact with. Because these could be individuals that God has put in our path in order to be a blessing to them and to let our light so shine before them that they may see our good works and that they would glorify our father who is in heaven this uh not this week the week before we had some guests here from a prominent shelter in the GTA area and they took a tour uh, in the in the church and all of its components and uh, all of its rooms and different places and interacted with with different people. And we had already done some service with them during the pandemic and and post pandemic, but it was the first time that uh, we meet with the CEO and and different staff members of the shelter. And they were just coming to thank us for the support that the church, this congregation offered to them during the pandemic. And then at the end of, the, the tour, the CEO uh, was speaking with my weakness and, and, and she said, Father, this building has a lot of light. And I said, uh, well, during the design phase of the building, we made sure that we include a lot of windows and uh, you know the, 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 the domes and uh, so that there's a lot of natural light coming in from outside. So she said, no, 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 Father, I'm not speaking about the light that is coming from the outside into the building. I'm looking, or I'm I'm referring to the light that is being transmitted from the building inside to the outside. And by that, she explained that the engagement of this blessed congregation has made it possible for other people to see light, the love of God, the love of Christ, a witness and a testimony to the greater community that there are so many people for God or of God in this particular city. And that's our mission as a community and as a congregation. The Lord says today, I have many people in this city. Well, this uh, week, one of the prominent figures um, of our generation in the Coptic Church uh, departed to heaven on the 11th, on Wednesday, October the 11th. uh, Father Saman Ibrahim, who is uh, the founder of the El mukattam uh, ministry in uh, one of the suburbs in Egypt, also known as Garbage City, rested in the Lord this week. And I want to pay a little bit of tribute for his legacy because he is one of the most inspirational priests of, of our generation. And he exactly did what this command said to him through a personal calling to serve the garbage collectors of the city of Cairo. So back at the end of the 1960s, uh, there was an edict from uh, the governor of, of Cairo for all the garbage collectors to move to the foot of the mountain of El Muqattam. Uh, some Copts uh, uh, might be familiar with the Mukattam uh, mountain. Uh, In Cairo, in one of the suburbs of Cairo, uh, because back in the 10th century, it was the center of one of the biggest miracles in history. al muizz al din Allah, al-Fatimi, one of the ruthless um, Fatimite rulers that governed Egypt in the 10th century, ordered the Christians and he said to them, if your Bible is true, then what it says about if you have a little faith to move this mountain, then it will be moved. So he uh, brought the patriarch at that time. And Abraham Ibn Zarah was a Syrian patriarch of the Coptic church. And uh, he said to them, if your Bible is true, then you know, we will let you practice your faith. If it's not true and you cannot move the mountain, then all of the Christians will be decimated and killed. So the patriarch brought all the bishops and the people. He called for a three-day um, fast. Uh, amongst all the Copts at that time. And then the Virgin Mary appeared to him and she said, through the prayers of this simple man who was a a tanner or a shoemaker, um, whose name is Simon or Simeon, um, the Mukattam mountain is going to move and they all came and they started moving and a big earthquake happened and it shook the mountain and it actually moved. So this is recorded in the history of, of Egypt So in that same location back at the end of the 1960s, a lot of uh, garbage collectors who were all Christian. So why why were they all Christian? Because um, they uh, bring so many animals uh, to eat the garbage, and amongst them are pigs, swine. So of course the Muslims do not grow or interact or have swine farms. So because all of these swine there, so it was only a job that is designated for the Christians to collect, go around the whole city. They knock door on door and they collect all the garbage. They bring it to that site in Al-Mukattam and they start to sort it. Uh, all the, the green bin, I guess now, <laughs> uh, you know, um, the, the animals will eat and, and, and the pigs and so forth. And then they will do some recycling and, and sell it and amongst other things. So you can imagine this tension, this area. And and up until very recently, even until now, when you approach this whole area, you have like a horrible odor in in your nose and, and you can't imagine how people are living like this. These garbage collectors, because garbage people are the lowest class, they are uneducated, they deal with the refuse of people. Of course, they were the bottom of the barrel. No one would befriend them or interact with them. They have no health care. Even in that mountainous area, they uh, are living in subhuman conditions. There is no sanitation, electricity, running water, or, or education, or anything. They had nothing at all. They almost sentenced to that, these low-class people. So in the early 70s, one of the garbage collectors went in, in one of the suburbs in Cairo, and they started knocking on doors, and he met the servant of God and uh, this uh, garbage collector's name is Khadiz, and he started to have a conversation with the servant. And he told him, look, we have thousands of Christians living in this area with no Christian education. A lot of them are drunk all the time. They have no entertainment, nothing, gambling, uh, living in sin, um, they just have a horrible life, no sanitation, nothing. But the worst thing is that they don't know God. They're all Christian just by name. Many of them have never been baptized or anything like that sort. Why don't you come and serve us? And then he refused one and, once and twice by his own testimony. And he tried to run away like Jonah. And um, however, one time he accepted the invitation. I believe it was 1972. He said, okay, let me come and see. He went and he witnessed thousands and thousands of people over a four-kilometer span living in absolute horrendous conditions, um, amongst garbage. They are they don't have no furniture, um, they're living in tent cities, and he started to have uh, a heart for, for these people. And then he wasn't sure if God was calling him to serve this community. And then all of a sudden, he says, according to his testimony, he was standing and praying in this whole garbage city, surrounded by thousands and thousands of papers and garbage pieces everywhere. And then there was a windstorm, like a sandstorm, where lots of papers were flying up in the air and going back and forth, and just just horrible conditions. And then all of a sudden, a little piece of paper lands under his feet. So he had like another servant Beside him, so they picked up this one piece of paper amongst thousands and thousands of them, right underneath underneath their feet. And they pick up this piece of paper and they open it and they find it is a page from the Bible. What are the odds for that? Not only a page from the Bible, but it's this exact passage that we just read. And the paper is folded in two halves to highlight these exact two verses. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Thousands and thousands of people had been neglected, refused. They are the bottom of the barrel. They are the marginalized uh, amongst the community in Egypt. No one wants to interact with them. When you get a garbage collector at your door, you treat them as subhuman. And now he heard a voice from God, as Pope Shenouda, when he heard this um, story from uh, Father Saman, Ibrahim later, he said, this was an edict from heaven. This was an order from heaven for you to leave your work, your life, and dedicate your service to this marginalized community. He felt that this was the word of God that came to him so specific among thousands and thousands of garbage and paper. What are the odds of finding a page from the Bible and pointing exactly to this particular mission for him to go out and to serve this people? He started to bring some tins and some refuse and did a tiny little chapel to pray with the people. And then he was ordained as a priest in 1974, he started to love the people. He loved this marginalized community. You can't imagine they're being treated like lepers of the old days, like these are extremely marginalized people. And then out of the ashes, he looked at the Muqattam monastery and he found like a big gap that was just covered with sand in the midst of the rock. He started to clear it and all of a sudden, A huge church came about. I'm sure for those of us who uh, have visited El Mukattam have seen a church with a capacity of maybe 10,000 people. It's even larger than the biggest of cathedrals. He started to put benches there. He built in this area seven churches and so many other retreat areas. But the main thing is that he loved the people. And he moved in with them into this garbage city. He wasn't like this suburban priest who would just come and serve and do the liturgy and leave. He became one of the people. And he lived an incarnate life, just like Jesus incarnated and came to us as human beings. He came to earth and he, Father Saman, also left his residence with his family and took them and started to live and serve all the people. Some of the great stories that were told about him, and I heard this, from some of the testimonies, the funeral this week, and amongst other times, that he taught them the love of Christ, and he truly was interested in the lives. He built generations of faithful, authentic people to the gospel. So this bishop was saying two stories, that one time a garbage collector found a wallet um, filled with like money, cash money, and credit cards, and other things, and then... Um, in in the garbage that he got from a particular building and an apartment. And and he went back to that apartment and gave the gentleman um, the the whole wallet. And he opened it. He found that everything was was in it perfectly. Nothing was taken from it. And uh, he tried to give him a reward. He said, no, and then you're talking about people who are living in extreme poverty. So the man who got back his wallet said, you know, Why are you returning this wallet? You could have taken it. He said, well, I learned from my father, the priest, to be honest and not to take anything that's not mine. It's out of integrity and the love of Christ. I love to return back to you this your wallet and and the man was so touched that he went and he started you know donating things to to the monastery of Saint Simon in El Muqattam and he did a lot of wonderful things and then where there was a similar story also with a man who lost his gold watch and he found this This garbage collector found a gold watch in in the trash and he traced it back and he knew where he got it from exactly and he went back to the gentleman and returned it to him and he said, I'm a child of this priest who taught us integrity, professionalism, the love of Christ, honesty. And all of these wonderful traits that you wouldn't imagine from the poorest of the poor in Egypt. But these people have so much love and integrity and humanity in them. When they were given an opportunity to witness to God, they lived up to their potential. They become amazing, fiery Christians who were taught the gospel through the ministry of this priest and so many other priests, of course, that were ordained since the 1970s. And uh, this area near Muqattam became a tourist attraction where anyone who travels to, to Egypt now from dignitaries and uh, you know the transformation that happened to that area, they have to go and see um, what God did in this garbage city and how God transformed the people first and foremost. This uh, gentleman, uh, this uh, priest, uh, this faithful servant of God um, has so many amazing stories because he was given uh, many gifts to cast out demons and even some people say raise the dead, uh, amongst other things. But some of his greatest gifts and talents were to revive this area, to, re- to reach out to marginalized communities who had been forgotten for so long. And all of a sudden, give them a chance to witness to Christ and become some of the most vibrant Christians in this entire region. Well, there's so much more that we can say. I just want to move to the last part of my meditation to say, so what is our calling? What is our calling? If God is telling us today, I have many people in this city. Father Simon, Samayan, he realized that in this garbage dumpster, God had so many people. Some estimate them around 50,000 today that he's serving and he saved them out of the trash, literally. So what is your calling and my calling? I think first and foremost, it's important to realize that you and I have a calling. We have to listen to the voice of God. There's so many ways that God will reach out to us with his blessed hands to tell us, you are called, you are mine. I want you to serve me. Do not be afraid to speak. Do not be afraid. Do not keep silent. Do not worry. I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. And even if there's attack of the tongue, of the mouth, of the defamation, when we know that we are living in the truth and we want to reach out to marginalized communities, we feel empowered. We feel that we are living with a purpose. Even here in North America, even right here in our home city, there's so many people in this city for God. Yes, we are disturbed with secularism and the way people have been walking away, from the truth, but there are so many opportunities still that are open for us. Don't think that the whole city has gone to idol worship or whatever it is. God is calling each one of us in our place, at our work, amongst our neighbors and friends, amongst the bigger community, marginalized communities. There's so many people now who need words of encouragement, who need us to tell them that Jesus loves them that He died for them, that He is here to transform our lives and to bring healing to broken relationships, to marginalized communities. Yes, there's a lot of homelessness in our city. Yes, there's so many people who are broken in so many ways due to abusive relationships that need a hug, they need embrace, they need us to accept them as they are. We need to make this community, the church community, a hospital. For healing, not for judgment, not for pointing fingers, and not for uh, making people feel bad, but to accept and to love and allow the Spirit of God to transform these souls to become more in His own image and likeness. I love the open arms of Christ this past weekend. uh, We had our theme and the open arms of Christ that accepts and loves and cares for each and every person, regardless how much we've been hurt in the past and regardless how much we've suffered in the past. These garbage collectors, this garbage city, they just needed someone who believed that God can transform. And he did transform. And God created miracles in this city, in this area that will be a testimony for many more generations to come. The big question this morning, do I feel called by God to witness to so many people in this city, not just in this city, but in so many other cities and countries. The whole world is in turmoil uh, these past few weeks over news of war and, and hurt. There's gonna be a lot of hurtful things for generations to come. A lot of people will be living with PTSD and uh, you know from wars and explosions and, and hurt. And we will have an opportunity to witness to these people to embrace and to love, to show the love of God for so many more generations to come. My prayer this morning, my dear friends, is that we do trust that God is using us. Each and every one of us, younger or older, you know, male or female, regardless of where we are, who we are, God continues to use each and every one of us for his own glory. May God bless us always to realize our worth in God's eyes, our mission, our purpose, our testimony, to witness to his holy name, and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.